week number two, we're back. It is, I don't know what date it is, I've totally lost track of time, but it's week number two of listening to an album every week, Club the Covid Years. <laughs> uh, Finlay Napier is here. At Colung, my friend. <laughs> Still walking around the park, doing voiceovers <laughs> to the winged, the winged sullen, what are they called again? A winged victory for the sullen. That's it, yeah. <laughs> and this week we have Callum McIntyre. How you doing, Callum? Yo, yeah, good, huh? Who picked the very brilliant uh, Dirty Projectors album last week. <laughs> uh, well, I thought it was very brilliant. I think it kind of uh, blew up a couple of people's heads. Um, yeah, seems so. Weird, yeah, it's great. I think that's a good reaction to any album when it's extreme on either end. I think <laughs> that, you, you know, you've, I'm, I'm always kind of hitting for that, as long as we get a, a reaction some way. Mm. Um, but yeah. It was it was a fascinating listen. I've had it on. I've done way more than my three listens. I must have had it on about kind of ten times this week. Um, Likewise, yeah, totally. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the band, Callum, and how you found out about them, and how long you've been listening to them for. It's not long at all, really. It was like um, I think it, it was like the start of last lockdown. I think um, it's Lou Abbott. Lou Abbott did a, um, a an Instagram. Uh, series of records that he was recommending, and this this was one of them. And then I put it on, and I'm like, "This is this is mental. This is great." And then forgot about it, and then it sort of popped up again when I saw their Tiny Desk concert, and I was like, "That's it. That's that's that. That's that nice happy album. That's that's a good thing." And then yeah, so and then it would, then they needed to ch- choose an album, and that seemed like a, a nice compliment to Ailey's choice last year. Last last year, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was last year that she wasn't it. It just took us all a year to get there. Yeah, I, I don't think it could have been more contrasting actually from the the two the two albums. But I think we're ready for that. It was good. I I enjoyed last uh, the winged victory uh, for the yeah. song very much. But it was uh, cool. uh, no, actually, when you when you sent that through, I think it was just this time last week after we'd. Uh, been talking about that last album and I put it on straight away in the studio and after about 10 seconds I was just like oh here we go <laughs> I kind of knew you know when you know instantly from a first track you're like this is going to hold me quite well here uh, but just the amount of stuff that was happening there's plenty away. to grab you at the start it just kind of opens out with the guitar and the vo- voice and it's like there's it's just uh, something else hits you and then, and then it just it just it just brings you in and then and then holds you and then or for me, anyway. That's, yeah. My, just, uh, my favourite mental image of this week has been that of Dan Thorpe trying to get himself through the first track. <laughs> just like... Because I know he'll take it really seriously. I think he's, he's really into yeah. it, you know, and the way he approaches things. And I can just see him sitting down at his kitchen table going, right, I'm going to do it this time. <laughs> going to try it again. <laughs> no, damn it. And storming oh. off, throwing his headphones into the corner of the room. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was, that was, I think, a joy. Um, I think that down to this record on the wrong day, that that would be the reaction. Yes, I think if if I had been confronted with that, I don't know, late for a gig, driving into a busy town, (laughs) it was like, hey, why don't we listen to this? That would have it would have pushed me over the edge. (laughs) It's it is really good, but man, it's it's busy. 
it's like you know that way people go this is too busy should we make it simple it's like this isn't busy enough make it more difficult <laughs> more busy <laughs> busy up but it's 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 like uh, obnoxiously so there's like stuff that's that just pops out and just like knocks you knocks you for killer and it's and, and I I really I really like that cuz um yeah there's a whole Remember, there's a chat about how good albums, like you've got a nice backing band that just plays for the song, and then there's like obnoxious playing, and this album's somewhere in the middle of that. There's just there's enough there's enough obnoxious stuff to keep you interested, but yeah, it's uh, how bold he's been as well with the, the the choices of like you know things just go hard panned, and it's like okay, here's a really obvious loud sound happening, like louder than the vocal all the time. It's right on the far right, and then a completely another part far left. It's going to come in another five seconds. Not really playing anything that's got that much to do with it, but um, I think the way the way I kind of enjoyed listening to it was that I was kind of I was always just kind of honing in on one thing and then concentrating on that, and everything else became background. Like the vocal became background a lot of the time for me. I was just like, "What is that that's making that sound?" Um, You know, that would really take my focus. Um, but yeah, what was your your overall take from the the record, Finley? I I absolutely loved it, and you know, just that there's a a really interesting thing with this one where I kind of feel like I want to listen to that album before I make another record, just because there's loads of interesting stuff. It's almost like, I mean, maybe I'm over egging it saying this, but it's almost like a Beatles album in terms of like sonic like making interesting noises and doing interesting things and like taking risks it has that kind of level of like right let's just go for it and (laughs) people don't like it it doesn't matter but i kind of feel like yeah there's some stuff on that record that i wasn't that into but at the same time in terms of like pairing instruments together and in terms of coming up with arrangements there's a lifetime's worth of stuff in that one record and then I went on and listened to a few other bits and pieces as well that they'd done, not whole albums, but just through some songs. It's just like, God, there's loads and loads to learn here, you know? Um, and that's kind of, I guess that's kind of what I'm going to, that's my takeaway uh, for, the, for this one. I think looking at the the kind of production credits, it, it sounds like an album that one person's really made with guests and I'm, I'm i don't know too much about the band but it sounds it's got that feeling of like somebody's just went to town on it mm. and it's got an awful lot of that you, you can kind of hear it. it's mostly one person see it's uh it's david david longstreet Longstreet, yeah uh, but you know i think i think he's the kind of the main force in it there's yeah there's loads of other people but i think he plays most of the things on it and i I think the impression I got from Wikipedia, which is of course the font of all knowledge, <laughs> is that it was originally just him. That the dirty projectors was just him, and then they kind of it, it, he had, the, the other folk came in, but it was always a vehicle for his his writing and his production. But the the new I had on the the, the latest release, which is called Five EPs. And it's it's really different. It's much softer. It's much more like mm. a band. And I think it is more of a band now. There's 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 like a five piece that are playing it, and I've seen them play live a couple of times. And but it's I think maybe for people who found this a bit too much, but liked the kind of core element of it, I think go listen to the new the new release that just came out last year. Because um, it's it's way more 
accessible, I'd say, but still with all the kind of fun and ideas that um, that are in that last album. But but yeah, just not quite as much. Well, it's like twenty five musicians on the on there. I just had a count. Wow! And I noticed as well that I've never seen a I've never seen an engineering and production credit list like that in my life. <laughs> so clearly, people were 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 doing stuff at home and then sending it in as well. So that, that so, will never catch on. I can't see that being the way of the future <laughs> at all. But I mean, that must be been fantastic because I wonder. I wonder if he was like sending stuff off to people and say, "Could you put something on that?" And they said something. He's like, "Oh, that's great. Good job, Mario." And or, then maybe they were uh, like, I, "I feel I bad about I feel bad about editing that, so I'll just leave it all in." Leave it all <laughs> in. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> yes. just like, I don't want to offend anyone, so just because they're quite cool, you know. So we'll just keep it, absolutely every idea that's ever happened. Um, yeah, lots on there. I really love the percussion. Like, it's just. So much, so much interest there. Yeah. Oh, it's... I'm trying to the track. Is it the the bluebird? The track. It's got Let's bring, little... bring it up. Let's bring it up. Um, Have a wee burst. I want. I want to know exactly what was good about it. I read. There was a bit about. Like, I think he, he used a, a a cricket sound or a some sort of animal sound from that Bjork had sent him. And this is like woven into one of these songs, and I wonder if it was this one. But uh, I was I mean, trying to try to try to work out which one it was. But. That's a classic. Though, if Bjork sends you something, there's no way you're not putting it on the record. Yes. <laughs> it's going on. It's like, oh, what did, you... <laughs> what did she send? Oh, it's a cricket singing. <laughs> All right, <laughs> cool. I was hoping for some vocals, but have you got? Have you got it there, Finley? Can you? I've got it here. I've also got. Um, I, I had this weird thing because I think it was Louis played this to me, or or not this album, but another album. One time we were driving up to Shetland Folk Festival, and he sort of did a, a iPod, well, three hours to Aberdeen, an iPad, three hours iPod, you know, playing tunes and stuff. And I'm sure he played Dirty Projectors because I remember him talking about hocketing, uh, and apparently uh, lamp. Uh, these guys, what they call dirty projectors, are big into their hocketing. So I've also brought here a couple of hocketing. Tell us what what is hocketing? Well, well, I will. I'll t- we'll talk about that in a minute because that's a clue. And the article that I tried to read while I was homeschooling my daughter the other day was talking about hocketing on crank. <laughs> <laughs> It sounded very exciting. I've got some <laughs> hocketing, which I can play to you. I think maybe Admiral Fallow have started hocketing as well, but I don't know if they hock it on crank. <laughs> Sky is blue, the sun shines everywhere.
it's wild. All the stuff going on there. Totally mad. Great. Love it. Uh, recorders. It's, recorders are all over it as well. Loving it. And the jazz recorder at the end. Like, jazz recorder at the end. Mental. <laughs> what, what, was he think? what was he thinking? Yes. But it just, it's just brilliant. It works. Totally works. Uh, I love that one. Uh, I'm always a fan of recorders since, uh, I think it's Peter Gabriel's second album. Tony Levin, the bass player, plays loads of recorders on it. Apparently he's a really good recorder wow. player. And, cool. But it's that sound. It's just like, what is going on here? And it just reminds you of high school, the second year study. <laughs> or just, the start of um, Stairway to Heaven. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Recorders. That's what we need, Finley. That's what the album's missing. Yes, yeah. If get in Mark Duff, that's his, that's his speciality. Yeah. Uh, do you want to hear about this hocketing thing? Yes. Hock- yeah. yeah. May I hock it? Are you going to hawk it, or is this a... I don't think you can hawk it on your own. I think that's the whole point. Unless you're full of crank, um, I don't think you can hawk it on your own. Do you know if I, I can get any crank hawketing in South Lanarkshire at this time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> crank. Uh, uh, so I'm going to... Sh- let me bring this up. Here are some people hawketing, which is... Uh, here they go. Meredith Monk and Robert Ian hawk it. And Robert, something awesome. on crank, uh, and here's uh, here's the dirty projectors demonstrating the process of hocketing. So uh, Angel has the part that's on the beat. Amber has the part that's off the beat. Uh, you guys good with notes? Yeah. Ready? Three, four. So these are literally just the upper notes of the chords. Yes. Wow. wow. That's awesome. I like that a lot. Thank you. There you go. Every day's a school day. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you. Pocketing. So I don't know if that was terribly coherent, but it's. Well, do you, I thought that was. Yeah, that's mad. So it's. It seems to be that the the you you spread the the melody around the band, so one instrument doesn't play the whole melodic phrase and it gets all chopped up. It feels cool. like one of these things that could become a trend, and every indie band will be doing, <laughs> like the lead singer having a tom tom randomly placed next to them. You know, that kind of caught fire for a while, and. But yeah, it'll be hocketing for a couple of years. 
<laughs> and then no one will do it again because they're like, oh, I can't do that anymore. Yeah. That's so 2021. But well, that's pretty old, I think. 2013 or something. But certainly a few people are doing it. Pardon me, I just burped there. You'll have to edit that out. <laughs> well, I mean, it could be a, it, this could be an interesting uh, thing to try and get going the next time we do a song writing workshop up at uh, Plockton. See if we can interest, introduce hockey things to them. Yeah, I think that'll go really well with high school pupils. I'm sure they'll be really keen <laughs> to get involved in that. Yes. <laughs> you know what those guys do because they'll be so brilliant at it. They'll be. We <laughs> <laughs> have that that unique combination of like tenacity and time. <laughs> like, there's nothing to do in Plockton but learn to hawk it. <laughs> Yeah, give them six months and they'll be putting the dirty projectors to shame. It does make sense, actually, that, that style. If you listen back through the album, I'm sure you'll be able to hear kind of lots. There's so many things where vocals are bouncing off each other, and it's really hard to tell who's doing what or what parts mm. coming from where. And I, when you, I, I watched a little bit of the Tiny Desk as well, and it's so fascinating when you see these tracks that have been like superly tightly produced, being done by a live band. And it still it still has essence, but it's not got that kind of clinical edge to it. Um, and when you actually can see who's doing what and how these parts are split up, you're like, oh yeah, it's just a normal song. It's just it's just been arranged completely differently from how we would, or you know. Yeah, that was a teapot and a and a, and a Nutella jar. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like a drum kit made up of a, a tray of food and stuffs. Um, or was that, was that on the record or was that on the tiny desk? On the tiny desk. It was just, it was just sitting there just playing a teapot and a Nutella jar and some other things. And I couldn't quite see exactly what was there, but it sounded, it sounded like the, the combination of... It was brilliant. Loved it. That's... Yeah, that's some sort of... Not as unusual as recording cornflakes. I remember doing that with you one day. Ha! <laughs> yes! <laughs> like, oh, oh, yeah. It was... Um, was it the pistachios? Was it? I, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I had it in my head. It was cornflakes, but Got yeah, a big we box of pistachios here. There you I go. Like, um, I, I do like my pistachios. You can see. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> they make an appearance every 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 day. I think. Yeah. I think a, a stereo pair of four one fours. That's what you need for if you're ever thinking of that. Sounds <laughs> lovely. Just takes a little edge off them. And, yeah, mm. sounds great. Um, a guy doing a, doing a session and the drum kit sounded great, especially the snare. And it turned out that, that it was like a radio station gig. It was Murray Firth Radio. Um, <laughs> there just wasn't enough mics, and so he did the snare drum with a plastic bag that he just held between two fists and just rubbed it. That was yes. It. <laughs> it's on the, I mean, if you'd known that's what you would do, you wouldn't believe it. Because what you heard. Or, over the radio, all the way in Grand Town and Space, sounded like a totally mint drum kit. Amazing. Just like <laughs> kicking a box and rubbing a, a, yeah, like a Safeway bag. <laughs> Safeway bag. Yeah. Did, did, I, did a record with Adam Holmes. What was what, what one was it? Um, uh, where we we made a, a no symbol and snare rule for the whole the whole gig, the whole the whole album. Because we were trying to make snare sounds out of. But not with using a snare. We ended up like with a uh, a baking tin with pasta in it, 
just like smacking that and then and yeah well just then replacing it with a snare sample in the mix <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <it's> the- <laughs> pretty much <laughs> That was what. Oh, you make a bar in Mountaineers album. Yeah. <laughs> Get the drummer to play the horn and replace all the horn parts with real instruments. I do. I do always like that thing of setting limitations on records. I think that's a great thing to sit down and talk about before you start, because you know, especially now we, you know, samples and triggers and everything, you can have everything playing mm-hmm. all the time on all the records. But just going, okay, we're not using bass. We're using tuba. We're no, you know, no symbols, no, and just making like really big decisions at the, the start, and then having to figure out ways around about it to get what you want. I think it's a fantastic process. When I was li- when I was listening to this album, I was I was like wondering because um, there's there's not there's not a lot of crashes in it at all. There's like or symbols. There's maybe like um, what is it? The zombie conqueror, just like that sort of like. But even then, there's not a lot of crashes there either. But like, there, there was there was another album which is like. Um, oh, uh, an awesome wave by, uh, um, oh God, what are they called? I've got Wikipedia here. <laughs> an awesome. an aw- it's called an, an awesome wave. Alt J. Alt J. An awesome wave. Right, the whole album has no symbols in it, and you just don't, you don't know, you don't notice. It's amazing. It's, it's like, and I, and I didn't notice until the the very end, and then my pal says there's no symbols in this album. And I had to listen to it again to check. But it's like, because it, it, so they're so you're so hardwired to hear like a symbol at the end of a phrase. It's funny you, it's, your ears adjust to these things. I mean, even I, I don't think there's an awful lot of sub on this record, right? Uh, or like you know, the kick sounds aren't like massive kick sounds. I think track two, the kick's just tiny little, really pitchy, <laughs> like really <laughs> pitchy note, and really high up. But it's I think you're, I think it's a thing that happens in everybody's brain you know when you listen to music you just kind of adapt to what's there and by doing that whenever they do add in anything down the bottom end it's like it sounds massive and you're like wow yeah. that's huge but it's just because you haven't noticed it hasn't been there for all mm-hmm. this time and i was listening, i've got a, a couple of other albums i was listening to this week and my one kind of thing i noticed straight away was it never changed it's like from the first track everything's in everything's full and lovely and lush and then it never, like, it always just sits in third gear the whole way, like, mm. dynamically or sonically. It never gives you a break from that. And it's nice, but it does get really boring, and it doesn't leave them anywhere to go, ever, because they're just always there. Just take, a, like, a left turn at some random point, and it's just, like, it's all... I don't even know if this happens, but in my head, there's a few times where I feel like, are, are, do we now not have the same instruments we started with? But actually, is that the case? It's the same instruments all the way through. So I'm sure there's a couple of tracks where it just feels like, whoa, they've gone. <laughs> we're, we're completely like there's now a new drummer and a new bass player on a different set of drums in a different room with a different bass player. Like, But I think that might just be like what it's meant to sound like. It probably isn't what actually happens. There's a few put things. I mean, that track you mentioned earlier as well, Cam, that Zombie Conqueror, that's a really odd track for this album. It's right in the middle. It's the yeah. one that the most in that bad review as well that I <laughs> um and strangely actually it, it completely passed me by as as like I, I was like I felt like it was a really important track because it felt like a sort of turning point hmm. in the record like the way that it's laid out is really interesting 
like the the the, the running order when you listen through it. I kind of it does to me. It feels like a journey, but they've spent a long time figuring out the running order of that zombie conquer is very important where it is and then how it goes into bluebird and then mm. like a nice little dip of maybe a wee bit easier going stuff around there seven track seven and eight um and then they pick it up a bit more at the end but uh, i think this would be a a really interesting album to sit and you know you know how if you're depping for a band and they, they send you through nothing it's just like there's a record and we'll see you next friday and you have to sit for hours and you have to chart it all out and you know get it into your head memorize bits and but it's a real kind of different type of listening you know you're really focusing on parts that you're going to be covering but i kind of i went a period of like 10 years where all i seemed to do was depth for bands and i was doing that every week like just having to learn albums and i, I kind of love doing that now where if i find an album that really catches me it's like okay we'll just sit and chart it out like right mm. out of the structure i've kind of got a system of like you know in the first lesson you're just going structure like verse chorus verse chorus how the how the tracks and then you're putting in the chord charts and then you're putting in little cues for sounds and you know every it takes about five five playthroughs to get the kind of the main body of it but as a way to understand things like you you notice stuff that you just wouldn't notice if you were even if you're really critically listening to it um but just writing that out and writing every little detail you hear and kind of mapping it, um, I think I'll probably do that with this album because it's just, I think there's so much cool. to learn from it and kind of go, well, all right, that's, that's yeah, you're right. It's a completely different sound. Like that guitar sound is only there for 10 seconds and then it comes back <laughs> four tracks later. And, uh, and yeah, it wouldn't be an easy gig to dep, I don't think. I think that'd be quite a, a challenging one. That um that that the Whirlit is it the Whirlit sir with the the whammy bar on it on track two is it track two or or three? Have any idea where it is in track two? It's the uh, it's like in the verse. What's that like? As to, as... that's the thing. There's so many cool sounds. Like I, I uh, like there's I wanted to make play that track two. Yeah. That's that bass drum. It's just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the smallest bass drum in the world. What's up? This thing, How's this instrument here. Oh. What is that? I don't know. I, like, see, that could be. What even is that? It could be a guitar. It's definitely something. I don't think it is. Uh, or like maybe it maybe it's just like some kind of synth thing with loads of stuff on it. Which is the one with the amazing. Amazing sounding like twelve string. Is that track three? It's just like it's so good. It's a lifestyle. That's that one. That's Maybe, th yeah. track three. It's like it's, it's not two, two guitars. The next one comes in on the other side. I'm only getting the uh, mono here. Who'll stop wasting the lives of the brave? Zoom sums it to mono. <laughs> it's just like completely sucks the life out of this album. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't collapse well at all. <laughs> it's like, and that's the thing. It's like, well, it was that one you said, Bluebird, and there's just a bit where the 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 roads are the, the whirly or whatever it is. It's like beating left and right in your ears, going. That's <laughs> oh, amazing. Yeah, and that's the thing that got me was just like those amazing hearing sounds are. Are incredible 
you know, I think if I got stuck, if I really thought I was stuck with, with what to do with someone's song, I would go, right, I'm going to listen to the Dirty Projectors. Because <laughs> <laughs> I wonder... Dial it down a bit for <laughs> just dial it down a bit. I totally, totally. Because I mean, like, listen to that first track, and I was pissing around playing like four four beat over the top of it, just like straight four four beat. And I was like, I wonder what this would sound like if you just went, boo, boo, ka, boo. <laughs> you know, like the high <laughs> beat, like everyone plays when they get behind it. In fact, why don't we imagine that now? <laughs> The sky has darkened, earth turned to hell Some said a light God shined where darkness dwell So I won't cry or collapse, overwhelmed Time like a song just might rhyme with itself I don't know how I'm gonna be Boom, God, boom <laughs> <laughs> I love he's got some brilliant like vocal melodies like that bit there just where he stopped it when he goes up high it's so yeah. catchy and so poppy it's oh, like, amazing it's and to get you like I mean that's like in the first 20 seconds of the album as soon as I heard that chorus I was like okay cool this is I'm gonna like this just yeah. that track just swallows you up and then that's that or, yeah amazing well, I was, you oh, put it up so the other day, Calum, and I was just like, I got to track two, and I think I posted this. Brilliant. I am in, yeah. It, there's so much great stuff in there. I mean, I, I, I kind of, I do feel like I want to know, I'd actually really like to go and explore more, like actually find out what was going on, like yeah. how he comes up with these melodies, how he comes up with what he's doing. I mean, this is a very rare thing for me, but I have no idea what they sang about in the whole record because I wasn't listening to the words. I was it's just... amazing, isn't it? I was, <laughs> see, I wondered about that, Finley, because I was, I was kind of curious to see you're taking that because I'm really guilty, as you know, of like, uh, whenever I listen to something, I'm completely drawn to the harmony and the rhythm and the production and getting to the lyrics, like, it does take me a few listens and I have to kind of really... I, I, mentioned about that you know that song i think it's called song genius it's like an app that mm. when and it's let it come up but then there's explanations so you can kind of go a little bit deeper if you want to kind of try and figure out and i think i think the lyrics are they're quite obscure there's lots of kind of little references that kind of yeah I, I certainly wasn't getting but but i noticed when i was doing that when i was just trying to listen to the words and kind of understand them the production did annoy me like i found it really hard <laughs> like i was and it was weird because having listened to you know, five times and really enjoyed it. I was like, "All oh, right, I'm I'm listening to something else here. Like I, that, I'm enjoying all the sounds and all the kind of the madness." But I think for people, if you were just really completely focused on the lyrical content and kind of what was being said, I think it would be quite. It was certainly a bit overwhelming for me. Saying that, it was quite late and I had a, I had a long day homeschooling, so <laughs> I was maybe just burnt out and ready for for something a bit more chilled out. But but. I did find that interesting that I was like, oh no, by about track five I'd had enough. I was like, oh, I didn't even bother reading the the, list, the rest of the lyrics for the record. So, no, I was interested in what you're... Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've still not got I mean, do you, did you listen to them, Callum? Um, I, I, I did the whole the, the genius thing. I mean, I, 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 there's, a lot, there's a lot to unpack. There's like, there's so many comments from people in like saying... This is what this means, and that, no, this is what this means. There's a bit of argument over what, but like, there's, um, it's like there is some some heavy stuff. Like there's like, um, uh, like 
political political stuff in there, but it's quite with a with a positive. It sounds all not light and airy. It's like um, I think what's the, the line about the uh, the monster eats, eats its young. Oh yeah, no, no. it's it's that one. I I sort of got the feeling that that was about sort of inequality and um, can I and. Although it, it it did kind of remind me of when when my flatmate used to keep lizards and we used to have to keep you know when it had babies we had to keep them separate so they didn't eat them. <laughs> yeah, it's but, great uh, it's songs where people put stuff like that in and that you're, that's the meaning he had a lizard that used to eat yeah. young, but yeah. other, everybody else in Song Genius is like, oh no, it's political, it's inequality, and it's uh, <laughs> it's like no no no, <laughs> just seen a lizard one time. <laughs> I saw a lizard once. <laughs> So I remember doing that same process with like, the last Bonnie Ver record, uh, and like to me that that it sounds a beautiful record, and I, I I listened to it many times just as that. But then when I got into the lyrics, and you know he's really hard to understand as well. Like the, the vocals don't punch out. Mm. But when I was reading it and I kind of went deeper into it, I was like, oh, that it, it did enhance the songs ten times. It was like I really enjoyed that. Um, actually finding out what he was talking about it was quite interesting but but yeah this i'm happy just listening to all the all the sounds in this record yeah it's a, for me this is a rare case of 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 that to be honest a very very rare case because usually what will what will switch me off is is he's starting to hear lyrics that are just a load of garbage or <laughs> filler just the filler and a chorus and all that but i honestly like i yeah, I didn't hear the lyrics at all. Apart from <laughs> Monster Eating is Young, actually. Strangely, that's about the only bit I can remember. <laughs> and only because you prompted me. <laughs> so, like, yeah. the, the Julian Casablanca line always stands out. I always remember that and sing along with that one. Mm. Line. Um, but, but yeah, I think it's... <laughs> so, so the message, the underlying message of this album is that Julian Casablanca, the monster, and it's children. <laughs> Something about lizards. <laughs> Thank you, dirty projectors. <laughs> Shall we end in what is now traditional fashion with Finley reading a review of the album over <laughs> one of the tracks? Please, yeah. please do. I think we should. With album art throwing back to 2009 record Bitter Orca and 2004's Slaves, Graves and Ballads, the new record by Dirty Projectors is a kaleidoscopic peacock of an album littered with guest stars. It's heavy and intense from a sonic perspective, but it comes up short when compared to the cloud-bursting highlights that seem to ooze from every pore of their 2012 record. Swing low, Magellan! Breakthrough, the second track, is so cluttered that it becomes hard to follow anything after about 15 seconds and an unidentified instrumental squonk runs through the entire song and it bounces off winding, buoyant vampire weekend slash Graceland guitars. The disappointing thing is that it sounds like someone doing Dirty Projectors rather than the actual folks themselves. When David Longstreet and co strip back the layers as they do on That's a Lifestyle, magic 
magic happens. A beautiful acoustic ballad filtered through DP's signature bizarre lens. Its restraint highlights a delicate touch sorely missed across most of the record. The hyperactive Beckisms of I Found It In You, along with Longstreet's best John Lennon impression, make for an album highlight. There's a ballad buried beneath the thick layers of mutant funk. And what beautiful, elegant thing it is. Underneath the irritating sibilance of the cymbals and the ripping, thin Lizzie guitar lies a pretty little love song. The sexy grooves of What Is The Time brings Longstreet's Prince fetish to the fore and adds a concentrated Beatles-esque psychedelia to the mix. You're the one! Featuring Robin Pecknold and Rostrum is easily the most restrained thing on the record. A lightly strummed acoustic guitar is the backdrop for gorgeous harmonies. It could easily have been on Imagine or Double Fantasy. Closer! I want to feel it all, pleasantly recalls the smoky incense soul vibe of Solange's seat at the table, a record Longstreet had a hand in producing. It's a grower. However, the wheels start to fall off on Zombie Conqueror, featuring Empress Of, which is essentially a heavy metal workout with Lars Ulrich drums and cape-wearing prog dynamics. It's an odd one for sure, and it certainly showcases Longstreet's risk-taking and boundary-pushing ideology. It just doesn't work in the context of this record. The album feels significantly longer than its 37 minutes, and despite its relative brevity, there's no sense that you've been allowed to relax at any point here. The softest tracks are still jammed to bursting with little details and things are spiralling all over the place. If you've ever found yourself awake for significantly longer than you intended to be with your eyes fit to bleed and your head fixing to burst trying desperately to make it to your bed with no respite in sight then you've essentially lived lamp-lit rooms. It's a skinny vanilla mocha frappuccino when all you wanted was a filter. It's an overdose of things that would individually be fantastic but are made lesser by their combination. David Longstreet can make excellent records. He's already made three or four, but this isn't one of them. Lamplit prose by the Dirty Projectors. Released on the 13th of July 2018, this review by Ross Horton. Thank you, Ross Horton, and thank you, Dirty Projectors. Oh.